Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar, TA, team here at Sharp Football Analysis. Yes, week five. How are you doing today? Good, man. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're well into October. The weather's starting to get a little cool. The mornings are a little cool. Uh, you know, so it's starting to feel like the, like we're making that turnover. You know, always around here, uh, me and Tierra are in the same area. It's like right when you get to like, like Halloween is always like the, like the breaking point usually. I can't remember the last time the, the kids had like a nice trick-or-treating. It's always been like everyone's in jackets. You don't even know what kids are dressed up as. Uh, so we still got probably a couple weeks left to kind of hang on to here to maybe where I still have to cut grass. Yeah, seriously, I remember last year at Halloween, I, I moved into a new house and it was like 40 mile an hour winds and heavy <laughs> rain. It was just brutal. So um, yeah, you can get in Ohio and Cleveland, you can get a couple of inches of snow pretty easily by then. So yeah, it's actually nice here now. And, you know, big Browns game, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about it, but the uh, spotlight game, I think um, on Sunday afternoon, 425 yeah. to, to uh, three and one teams going at it in the AFC should be, should be a good one. So I think uh, everyone here is getting excited um, as we move into you know, mid-October. And, you know, I, I was just talking before the pod about how this is such a strange week with all the COVID stuff going on. Um, there are that plus injuries. I mean, there's like five games off the board right now. We have no idea how many games are actually going to be played. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of betting opportunities. And the ones that are being played outside of that Browns game, you know, most of them um, are big spreads, you know, kind of mismatches. So, um, interesting week for sure. Um, and, uh, just looking forward to, you know, week five is kind of crazy to even say that, but looking forward to week five and hopefully none of these games get, uh, get postponed, just kick, kick the Titans out of the league or forfeit, whatever. I mean, just get them out of here. Like, I don't, I don't want to see them on my timeline. I don't want to see, you know, new COVID tests, positive tests with them anymore. Just forfeit, take a couple of weeks off, let them back in once they get it all cleaned up and, you know, we can have a full season. I don't want them ruining my season. So uh, hopefully that gets cleared up soon, but that's, that's, uh, that's obviously a major issue right now. Yeah. That's interesting is we've been talking about the big game totals on the show repeatedly and how scoring has been up and being on that. Interesting enough. It's like also we're seeing the largest, like the, the point spreads have been the largest they've ever been. I mean, looking at just the lines this week and if some of these games that come back on the board hold, we'll have 10 games of six or higher uh, favorites of six or more points and through five weeks the nfl it's by far the most of the past decade uh mm-hmm. so far and we have more the most uh teams that are giving more than a field goal uh through five weeks in the, in the nfl over the past decade as well so we're starting to see like huge lines as well um which has kind of impacted you know kind of some of the you know how people are playing these games as well i mean coming into monday night i mean i was looking at those games and i wanted to take both favorites and i was just like Oh, 11, 12 points. It used to be such a number that you would just balk at, you know, double digits. And now it's just a regular occurrence in the NFL. Yeah. And so when, when, you know, these totals keep going up, you kind of have to adjust, especially if it's a, a big favorite, you know, you got to adjust it higher too, right? Cause if mm-hmm. the total's going up, that means it's got to go to some, to one of the teams. So um, even if it's split, it just, it, it continues to increase. So you're going to see that uh, just a little, my, my weekly uh, blurb on the, uh, the over unders. So they won again last week, eight, six, and one, depending on some of the closing lines that um, you know, it might be one or two differences, but again, for the fourth straight week, we've got uh, more overs. Um, and so for the season, close to 60%. 
And I mean, last week's um, average point total was 52 and a half points up from 52.3 in week three. So we're still seeing a lot of points. Um, and if you look at the games that are still on the board right now, you're looking at average over under of 50.3, which is up from 49.8 last week, which is up from 45.8 in week one. So we're talking about four and a half point adjustments in the over unders. So the books are really ramping this up. Um, and so, you know, we saw a lot of games <laughs> come within a point or so of the total last week. Um, so as we mentioned, uh, you know, last week, it does matter. Like every half a point point matters. So make sure you're getting the best number. I was on the under uh, 54 and a half in the Houston, Minnesota game. I know a lot of other people hit that early at like 51, 52 on the over. So it fell at 54. Uh, got lucky that the Will Fuller touchdown <laughs> last second was uh, deemed uh, incomplete. But, uh, you know, I got lucky with that one. But, the, you know, that's 54 is a key number. So that was important for me to take that under at 54 and a half. So it, you know, bode well for me there. So just be careful um, when you do look at some of these totals. If you think you like an under, which is, you know, it's like suicide at these days in the NFL, wait till the last second because those those numbers are going to continue to run up. Uh, otherwise, um, try to hit the overs as early as possible. So, um, you know, still a lot of points being scored and books are going to continue to adjust and we'll see if we finally get some some unders here. But uh, should be should be a fun week. It's really interesting with, with these point spreads and especially like the, the totals and everything, because uh, when you look at some of these teams, we kind of think that there's like some, some really great teams and some really bad teams. And we kind of see that on the field, but when, when you look at it, it's kind of uh, a little more compressed than we would think. I know football outsiders have their DVOA rankings uh, every week. And, you know, they, Tampa Bay right now is the number one team in DVOA. It's one of their lower uh, number one teams through four weeks. Uh, since they've been tracking these through the past couple of years. And even and the same thing on the bottom end. The Giants right now are 32nd in DVOA, but they're one of the best 32nd teams they've had through four weeks. So there is some condensing, but everyone is mostly able to score, you know, except for, you know, the Giants and you, know, you can throw the Jets in there too. Um, so we are kind of seeing these, these weird spreads where the good teams are definitely better than the bad teams, but the overall quality isn't terrible. Um, but, you know, we are seeing with, you know, with the Giants and the Jets and stuff that some of the bad really does stand out. But we're not seeing any, like, really great teams right now, at least through four weeks. So I think that's something we can yeah, um, come look at going forward. Yeah, there's no great defenses this year. And we'll, we'll talk about probably one of them, if, uh, which is the Colts, probably the best defense right now. A lot of that in turnovers, we'll see if that's something that continues. Uh, but before we really get into the games, well, let's start with some of the, the big news um, that came in, and that's uh, Bill O'Brien, no longer uh, head coach or GM or play caller or um, you know custodian or um, <laughs> uh, security or any of the other uh, hundred roles he worked his way into for the Houston Texans. Um, after four games and zero and four start, we talk about teams that are you know, probably better than the zero and four record that the Houston Texans probably should be. Um, so after four games, Bill O'Brien and now gone guys. Uh, what what are your takes on? Uh, what Houston looks like now and, and the the end of the Bill O'Brien regime. Yeah, I, I mean, T.A. just talked If Will Fuller makes that catch, he still might be the coach, you know, if, he, if there is no overturn. And we, they would have needed, I think, a two-point conversion still too, right, uh, to tie. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so maybe not. But, uh, you know, 
that might have he might have gotten one more you know lifeline but now we've got uh, uncle romeo's in but bill o'brien the gm really put this organization in a bad spot not so much bill o'brien head coach but i think we could pick enough things apart on his you know play calling and conservative style and putting the team in bad spots that you know deshaun jack uh, deshaun watson completely had to you know overcome and it happened again last week you know deshaun watson again not good in game script, you know, the first half. And then when you, he actually gets to let loose and just play when they have to just play football, he's excellent. And that's what happened, you know, again, last week, we see that's when Deshaun Watson is at his best, you know, almost with like a school ground style of play, jailbreak scenarios. And we've seen that in the playoffs last year. It's been pretty consistent throughout his career, but you know, this is a team now that is going to hire a new GM and a new head coach. And they're going to walk into a spot that has no draft picks. Their first draft pick next year is in the third round. Uh, they are in salary cap hell. They've just had to pay their rookie quarterback. They missed their rookie window with Deshaun Watson. You know, they've got Larry Tunsil on big money. They trade for David Johnson and Brandon Cooks, though they can get out of those two contracts next year. But you give a 30-year-old slot man in Randall Cobb $30 million, and he's, you know, he, his contract you can't really get out of next year without, you know, taking a big hit. They've got holes everywhere defensively. I mean, it's one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Um so whoever takes this job, and it's only one of 32 jobs, so people will – it is coveted still, but uh, they are really working uphill and behind the eight ball with what uh, Bill O'Brien has left in the cupboard here. And, you know, Warren ta- has talked about this a bunch. I know he put it in his book. But in the, in the last uh, – during Bill O'Brien's tenure, no team has run the ball more on first and ten through the first three quarters of a game than Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. And it's just, you've got a great weapon in Deshaun Watson and you've never had really a good run game. So what are you doing? Like, why are you that predictable on first down? So, you know, good riddance. (laughs) I mean, sounds like he's a decent guy, I guess, off the field, but just, you know, on the field um, didn't really, yeah, they, they won, you know, some divisions and they, they won 10 games a bunch, but really it's just because the the, easy schedules and um, you know, not a lot of competition um, in the division. So I, I think um, it's probably for the best. And, you know, I'm just waiting for Dabo Sweeney to make his appearance because I know that's I mean, it's going to be the hot rumor. But, um, you know, would, would he take that job uh, without any sort of, you know, a lot of high picks and cap space issue? I, I don't know. I will say the one thing, you know, I'm a big Will Fuller guy. I've got him in a couple leagues. You know, he had a big game last week. You know, they've got a pretty good schedule coming up here with Jacksonville this week. Um, they got Jacksonville again in a couple of weeks. They got the Browns, they got Detroit. Um, so they've got some, you know, Tennessee would be, or sorry, Cincinnati would be in most people's uh, fantasy football championship uh, weekend. So, you know, they, they've got some opportunity here for him and Watson to put up some points for, for, for the fantasy football people out there in DFS. So uh, hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, Will Fuller, but um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the right move to make at this point. And, you know, I know a lot of people talked about this for this week. Um, you know, do you see a bounce back or do you see an uptick in a team after they fire a coach mid season? And so I was curious to that. I've seen a couple of articles written on this. Essentially there's no impact on the spread. I mean, from a, from a covering perspective, um, everything I've read is, you know, in the last 17 or so years it's like 14 and 14 against a spread uh, after a, a coach has been let go mid-season now it's pretty rare to be a favorite in that spot it's only happened a few times um so there's really not a sample size enough to to make a um a conclusion but i wouldn't run to the um to the books to to, to back houston just on that theory alone so um you know evaluate this uh, this game a little bit 
um, on its own and not because of uh, the merit of coaching, you know, coaching fire. And it's look, Romeo Cornell is still the head coach A very, I know him here in Cleveland, very conservative coach and the offensive coordinator is still there. So I'm not sure how much different this is really going to look from a play calling perspective. Yeah, it's not really like, you know, Romeo, Romeo Cornell not obviously going to be the offensive play caller, but not like he was one of the most aggressive uh, coaches in the league while he was, uh, he had been previously a head coach. So, yeah, we're seeing the defensive coordinator still going to be there, the offensive coordinator who uh, was stripped of play calling for like an hour. Um, when Bill O'Brien uh, decided to take it back over, he's going to get play calling back. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. The play calling wasn't super inspiring uh, through the first three weeks before uh, O'Brien tried to take it back over. So uh, maybe he'll adjust uh, a little bit. Maybe we'll see uh, a little more scheming open uh, of these uh, wide receivers, which it hasn't really been there, but these are receivers who really, you know, run deep. And if they're not open deep, there's not a lot that Sean Watson can do. And that was really a lot of what we saw through the first four weeks of this season. Um, If those guys weren't separating deep, there there was nothing there in the offense. There's not a lot of uh, checkdowns. David Johnson just hasn't been uh, good uh, at all um, you know, between running or even being a good outlet pass. Um, the, you know, the, the tight ends are okay, but they're not really uh, involved. And it's just uh, this, this group of wide receivers, everyone does the same thing. Um, so it's not really a diverse set of, of wide receivers that you can really take advantage of at all levels of the field. Uh, and that just really, it, it clogged up everything. Sean Jock, Deshaun Watson was taking a lot more sacks. Um, you know, he, he's already a, a sack-prone uh, quarterback because of, of how he wants to make a play. Uh, but when guys aren't getting open, that puts more pressure on him uh, and that everything just fell off. And, and that defense just has been, you know, absolutely terrible. The, the, the guys they're paying big money to just aren't coming through. The Whitney Mer- Merciless contract uh, is bad. Zach Cunningham just got his deal. Um, you know, he's playing the run okay, but he should be a great run defender. He's not even that so far this year um, and they can't really cover there. So it's just been, it's been a disaster uh, all the way around. So I uh, just, everything in place and, you know, it, it makes sense that they, you know, decided to, to cut their losses and, and move on. One other team that decided to, uh, I, I guess they thought they're cutting a loss, uh, but maybe, uh, maybe not is the Washington football team. They decided to bench Dwayne Haskins after four games. Uh, He has not been good through four games, but his game against Baltimore was probably his best game of the season, but they decided to bench Haskins. They're going with Kyle Allen. Now Um, the, the reasoning out of Washington is they feel like they need a spark and uh, because the division's bad, they can win Um, which to an extent, might be true they have the fourth ranked uh defense by dvoa right now with like average quarterback play they might be the best team in the nfc east that says a lot about the (laughs) nfc east right now uh but with good quarterback play they could probably be that team the problem is that kyle allen is not giving you good quarterback play so i'm not sure what the point is here you know you still have haskins who's still you know technically raw. He had one year as a starter. He had half a year in probably the worst situation of last year. He didn't really get a lot of you know, prep to go in a lot of leeway this year. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, what, what is, what did you take on, on some of the, the quick hook uh, that Dwayne Haskins got in Washington here? Yeah. A lot of layers here that kind of are, you know, really confusing. I mean, especially you hit on, he's already had three coaches and not even a full season. Uh, but it seems like really Ron Rivera was like, just like almost like he was hoping Haskins would play worse last week. It almost get that feeling like there was nothing he could have done that to, to, to prevent him getting benched because he did, you know, have one, you know, 
arguably his best game of the season and look his best, you know. Yeah, definitely his best throw. That yeah. deep pass to McLaurin late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was his best throw of the season, at least, in, in the game, definitely. Yeah, I mean, they stayed on script a little bit, and it was a matchup no one expected him to win anyways, uh, you know. But Kyle Allen is – I mean, you just look at Kyle Allen's whole, like, history going back to college. I mean, he he lost the, the job at Texas A&M and had to transfer. Then he got benched at Houston for somebody named Kyle Postma, I mean, do you know who Kyle Postman is? But he got he, he outplayed Kyle Allen, and Kyle Allen got benched for him. Uh, and then you talk about last year when Kyle Allen stepped in. I mean, he was a baseline-level thrower on, like, throws one to ten yards downfield, and anything beyond that was just an abject disaster. Uh, what, through, he was last in the NFL and catchable deep target rate. So, you know, if, if you're looking for Terry McLaurin to get, like, a huge spike in this deal, um, he's probably not hurt by the scenario. It's probably not any worse, really, to what, than what he had. But, I mean, looking for, like, a huge uptick probably isn't going to happen if you're hoping all these Logan Thomas routes turn into Logan Thomas catches. Still probably going to be hoping for that. Uh, it's just a really puzzling situation because if, the, if it was really the team felt this way about Dwayne Haskins, you know, coming into this offseason, it's very puzzling why they took Chase Young, unless they just their evals on Tua and Herbert were that poor. Uh, it's a very confusing situation on a, lo- a number of levels outside of the one, like you mentioned, that maybe they just believe they can get a 500 to win this division. But even then, that's like a false 500 season. Like, they're not a contender on any level. Um, so I don't even know if they really can sell that. It's, it's really confusing me on a lot of levels. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is probably is probably it for him now. Like to be honest, like it's probably uh, something he can't recover from in his career. Uh, so it's 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 really confusing on a lot of levels, and um, I, I don't think Kyle Allen has been remotely close to being an answer to the problem. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm glad you hit on the point about. I mean, I love Chase. Look, there's a lot of layers here. I'm an Ohio State guy, so I've got a lot of different opinions on uh, Haskins and Chase Young and all that's going on, and you know, McLaren's there, like. I love Chase Young. He's awesome. But why would you not just take Tua or take Herbert uh, or trade down and take those guys instead of take, taking Chase Young if you were going to have such a quick hook? Like, what did you expect Haskins to be, you know, so quickly in his second year with a new system? And, you know, look, McLaren is excellent. They have no weapons at all. They have a very mediocre, poor offensive line. Like, what, what do you really think is going to happen here? Um, so it made no sense for them to to pass on those quarterbacks for one and two, just from, again, from Ohio state lens. I love the guy Ohio state. I never thought he would be a, um, you know, top end, uh, quarterback in the NFL. Just, I mean, that uh, urban Meyer system was tailored for him. Tons of good receiving options. A lot of, you know, just those quick kind of crossing routes. He didn't have a lot of reads, um, down the field that, that I saw. Um, so I was a little surprised that he went so high in the top 10, but, you know, is what it is. So uh, it doesn't shock me that he's not succeeding right now. I think he'll need, like, he needs to sit behind a Drew Brees type guy. Like, he needs to have a couple of years behind a veteran um, in order for for him to succeed, I think. Just because he only played one year at Ohio State, too. That's the other thing. Like, he didn't have a lot of experience there. So he's got tools. He just doesn't have the experience, I think, to, to run an offense. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Um, you know, but again, they need weapons, too. Like, you're not giving your quarterback any any help here. <laughs> to be honest. And Kyle Allen is not it. Like, and the other thing I don't understand is why elevate, it's a great story with Alex Smith, but why elevate him to number two um, as a backup if you're going to make a quarterback change? Either he's healthy enough to play um, or he's not. If he's healthy enough to play and be your number two, just start him. 
you know, if he's not, then he should be the, the number three quarterback. So I don't really understand that, that aspect of it as well. So um, we'll see. Yeah, that, that, that brings one of the more confusing layers to it that, you know, Dwayne Haskins is bumped down to the number three is probably going to be inactive uh, on Sunday. And, you know, Alex Smith had that horrific leg injury. The uh, we've all seen the, um, yeah, everything that he did to to get back to play, and it's amazing that he did. But yeah, if he's healthy enough to be the number two, well, then why isn't he the number one? You have a hundred percent confidence that Kyle Allen is making it through an entire game, especially playing the Rams uh, with this offensive line <laughs> against Aaron Donald. Um, so there's a non-zero chance we we see Alex Smith on, on Sunday anyway. And I mean, someone like Alex Smith is probably who you're thinking of uh, if you're Washington and you're thinking about how you could potentially compete um, in the NFC East if that's your if that's your goal right now for this season but that seems weird it, like Rich said it kind of seems like they're trying to set themselves up to go like seven and nine eight and eight and then right now that puts you in a position for needing a quarterback and not in a position to get one um, so I, I'm not totally sure what what the end goal is here. Um, if they want to, you know, feel better about maybe making the playoffs as, as a seventh wild card or just a division is that bad, then, then fine. But I, that doesn't set you up well for, for the long term. Um, because it, it just seems like it, even after the season, it doesn't seem like it's something where they can go back to Haskins and be like, you are our guy. It, it kind of seems like Dwayne Haskins' time in Washington uh, is going to be over, whether he gets another chance to be a, a quarterback or, or sit behind someone uh, somewhere else um, is still, we'll, we'll see, still have to see that. Because it's just, it, it's a puzzling scenario all over the place. Um, so we are going to get to some games this week, but before we do that, uh, let's take a quick break. All right, and we're back. Let's get to some uh, week five games. Uh, is there anything that stands out to you? Like, like we said, there, there's not a, a lot of, of standout games. We're not even sure what games are going to be played as we record this uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, we're still waiting for uh, maybe Tennessee and Buffalo uh, might not be played uh, again. So uh, what, what, are we, what are we looking at here for, for games you guys are interested in this week? Yeah, I'll jump in here. And uh, one game that I hit, a side that I hit that the number's no longer there, but I, would, I think I'd still take it is Carolina. So I got it at three and a half and three right at the open. It's sitting at one and a half, one in some spots, which I think rightfully so. That number's been driven down. And this, oh, by the way, this is Dan's Carolina, by the way. Sorry, I should have. Uh, <laughs> you were right on this from the beginning. Um, they've been so, I, they're a fun team to watch. Like I've loved Teddy Bridgewater since he came out. One of my Browns to take him uh, in the first round said they took Johnny Manziel. We saw how that turned out. So I've always had a soft spot for him and he's, you know, running this offense very well. And Mike Davis, I tweeted this morning, getting a lot of hate on it. It's fine. Um, said that Mike Davis, number one in pro football focus is elusive rating number two in yards after contact. They're throwing him the ball out of the backfield. I mean, it's been kind of a seamless um, transition from McCaffrey to him and look McCaffrey's great like there's no way you downplay that but you know in order to win games you don't have to have um, you don't have to pay that that money for it for a guy like McCaffrey you've got a guy like Mike Dav Davis doing all the good things um, that McCaffrey did and so they have not missed a beat uh, had them last week against Arizona is one of my better plays and they just totally um, destroyed the Cardinals um, who are beat up but you know they're, they're playing well, you know, they're, they're kind of middle of the pack uh, on offense. And you look at all the offensive categories, I think they're 12th in DVOA offense. So they're, they're running the system well, and they played some tough defenses. I mean, you've done this against the chargers, you've done it, done this against uh, Tampa, you know, so 
they've proven they can, they can move the ball. Um, and against this Atlanta defense, it's just completely decimated in the secondary. I mean, they've got four safeties who are either out or hobbled. And we saw, my God, I've never seen so many guys wide open um, in a secondary uh, than what I saw with Green Bay. I mean, what, what, the tight end, was it T- Tanyan, whatever his name is? Like, I, the guy hey, was Bob. just – he, he was wide open on every touchdown. I've never seen anything like it. And that's what's going to happen when you have so many new guys in the secondary like that. And so on a short week, I don't think you're able to fix it that quickly. Um, and on offense, you know, uh, Carolina's got plenty of weapons. I mean, Robbie Anderson has been great. Um, DJ Moore, you know, hasn't been as effective, but he's still there. He's still, you know, I'm sure he's very capable of having a big game. Um, and I mentioned Mike Davis has been filling in really, really well. I think they're going to be able to put up points. I think this is Dan Quinn's last game. Um, he, he's due to, to, to be axed here um, to get the Bill O'Brien treatment. And, you know, it's stunning how bad he's been as a um, favorite against a spread uh, as head coach for Atlanta. I mean, I, you know, depending on the database you use, I, I looked it up and if you include postseason play, he's 22 and 33 as a favorite in his career. ATS is 39%. If you get if you exclude the the one positive season um, that he's had a, a kind of the random Super Bowl season um, a few years ago, the number drops to thirty five percent against the spread as a favorite. And when you look at kind of short spreads, so less than three points, so virtual pick'em games, he's three and nine against the spread. He's lost his last six straight up. So, or sorry, last six against the spread. So. Um, you know, to me, this is a great spot for Carolina to kind of put the dagger in in Atlanta um, and, and kind of end the, the Dan Quinn era. And I just think that the, the Panthers have, have played well, um, and I think that they're going to win out right here. So if you can get anything above Pickham, I, I think you're still okay. The interesting thing with the Panthers is, you know, they were projected to have, like, arguably the worst defense in the NFL, youngest, the youngest defense by far in terms of age, starter age, and they've been, you know, adequate. You know, that's kind of like the big, the big thing with them because Teddy's not going to lose you games. We all know is like against the spread record is the best for all starting quarterbacks. Uh, but I mean, you look at what they're doing defensively. They're not do getting any pressure on their quarterback and they're not blitzing at all. I think they're 30th in pressure rate and 30th in blitz rate, but they're just playing shallow, like shell coverage and making teams just like try to dink and dunk them. Uh, and they're allowing the, the lowest yards per completion in the NFL and the th- third in yards per attempt a lot because they're making teams throw underneath and they're making plays and just kind of like preventing huge plays against them. That's kind of like their defense is just not giving up huge plays. Uh, and it's been able to keep them in game so far to start the season. And uh, that's been kind of like what's kind of swung things in their favor. We were kind of expecting that defense to just be like road graded the entire season. And it hasn't really been the case. Now, do, are, do we still think they're a great defense? No, by no means, but they've been adequate and just having an adequate defense with a quarterback, it doesn't lose you games uh, is definitely a pro. And then this Falcon side without Julio Ryan's looked bad the past two weeks, Calvin Ridley's dealing with a hamstring and an ankle injury. We've seen him only play 65% of snaps on Monday. Uh, so short week turnaround, uh, they don't really still have a running game, anything to speak of. So you're talking about coming in and leaning on a potentially injured, you know, Calvin Ridley and then Hayden Hurst, Olamide, Zacchaeus, and Russell Gage. Not quite the recipe you want uh, for Matt Ryan either. So I love that that side as well. And, and so you mentioned the Carolina defense. I mean, 15th in EPA per play on, on defense, fine. That's all you need. You just need to be adequate, yeah. right? You don't – they're not going to be uh, the 85 Bears. You just need them to not get, you know, shredded. And I love Matt Rule. I've loved Matt Rule for, for a couple of years now. I thought it was a great, great, smart hire. He's just one of those guys that – he's a football guy, but 
you know, it sounds like he's smart enough to, um, you know, hire a guy like Joe Brady to run that offense. And, you know, he's just a solid, solid NFL, NFL coach, um, brings a tough-minded mentality. He's got a bunch of young guys on defense. Like you said, they're not putting a lot of pressure on the on the quarterback, and they've got some young guys in the secondary, but they're kind of keeping everything in front, making tackles, um, and just not screwing up. And that's all you need. With, with this offense, if you just have an adequate defense, you're going to be in a lot of games because Teddy's not going to turn it over, like you said. And they've got guys that, you know, Robbie Anderson can run the five-yard shallow route, and you can take it 80 yards. And um, you know, dink and dunk with Mike Davis, Davis, if you want and go over the top of DJ Moore on occasion. So, I mean, I think they've got ingredients to, you know, who, who knows how long this lasts, but I think they've got the ingredients to at least stick around in a lot of these games and, and win a game like this, this week. And, um, you know, I, I just think they're kind of a just fun team to watch. So I'm curious to get Dan's opinion on this. Cause I know he's been on, on this since the beginning and anything you're seeing schematically that you're, you really like from, uh, from the Panthers on offense. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit this weekend. I know Rich has kind of touched on this. And, you know, the, the Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore dynamic is interesting because Robbie Anderson's kind of taking the role a lot of people thought DJ Moore was going to take in that offense. But they're really taking advantage of, of teams expecting Robbie Anderson to go deep. Um, they're getting him off the line, those shallow, shallow crossers. And, and he's just getting like not, you know, big gains, but, you know, 10, 15 yards at a time. And some of these shallow crossers, he's getting played, you know, off coverage, off the line. Um, I, you know, I shared a couple I get from the Chargers game last week. Um, this past week, uh, they were working Patrick Peterson uh, against Robbie Anderson. And, and if you thought, you know, Robbie Anderson would ever be, you know, just taking Patrick Peterson off the line, uh, they were <laughs> able to do that. There was one play uh, in the slot. Patrick Peterson actually had him in a slot um, uh, and he was playing, uh, the outside technique and Robbie Anderson just had like this little hesitation off the line and it just gave him just enough uh, room to to get a nice little slant uh, up the middle and so that's kind of just the stuff that Carolina's offense is taking advantage of and DJ Moore is getting some of those deep passes I think Teddy pushed the ball down the field uh, a little more this past week so I'm interested to see if that's going to keep going they're just they're, they're being efficient kind of you know and the defense isn't you know it's it's not great but they're they're figuring out and they're adapting they're playing some of that that college tight front where it's the three, three, five um, there, you know, Brian Burns has been, had been really good, but uh, the, the quarter opposing quarterbacks are just getting the ball out so quickly that he's not really able to get that pressure. So that's one of the reasons why their, their pressure rate is so low. But like you said, they're playing where they're not going to get beat deep and they're fundamentally playing very well where uh, there's not a lot of mistakes on the back end. I think probably to hear Whitehead is probably their, their worst player and he's the guy that's getting taken advantage of the most. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to uh, continue playing um, as often as he has. So I think that defense can get better as they figure it out. I think Jeremy Chin is getting a lot better um too so um you know we'll we'll see how that goes it, it's an interesting team it's it's a it's a feisty team that like you said at, at the least it, it's fun to watch um so let's let's move on and maybe uh, another team that was you know, fun to watch this past week and and maybe it, it's been up and down uh ta will, will hit you here it, the cleveland browns uh they're playing the indianapolis colts i think that's one of the most interesting games uh of this week the browns obviously had that offensive explosion against the dallas cowboys um everyone's having an offensive explosion against the Dallas Cowboys probably 
except for what's going to happen this week. Uh, but we will need to get into that. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, one of the best defenses in the league, like we talked about right now, first in DVOA. I think they're interesting because they are doing it with, uh, you know, a lot of turnovers. They're not doing it on things you would think are, you know, especially repeatable. Um, they're not forcing a lot of three and outs. They are forcing uh, some punts, um, but it's it's heavily you know, turnover dependent. Um, they're playing a lot of zone coverage, which has allowed guys like Xavier Rhodes um, and, and Kenny Moore um, to, you know, sit back and kind of just read the quarterback. I think that's a, a better place for um, those corners to be. Um, they're playing a lot of nickel, putting a lot of trust in their linebackers with, with Darius Leonard, Bobby Ogarigi, but, but they're injured now um, at linebacker. So I, that's going to be interesting, especially with, you know, this, this heavy um, Browns personnel where they're going to be, uh, you know, running a lot of 12. They're going to be probably using a lot of Kareem Hunt now uh, who will take over uh, for Nick Chubb. Uh, in the, the running game and the passing game. So we'll probably see a lot of, you know, inter- short intermediate stuff in the middle of the field there. Um, and you have Odell Beckham just looking like Odell Beckham uh, again. And I think that's going to be uh, the, the biggest test this Indianapolis secondary has had uh, this season. So I'm very uh, excited to see how these two teams match up, especially on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. We're, it's going to be just a good game. I mean, not a ton of you know, fantasy implications. I, think. I don't think the Colts have really anybody except for maybe Jonathan Taylor who's disappointed a little bit from that side. And you're not going to get – it's not going to be high scoring. I think this might be one of those lower scoring uh, games that could go under. But, um, yeah, you talked about Kareem Hunt. The Nick Chubb injury stinks. But, um, you know, Nick Nick Chubb has been kind of boomer bust. He's actually like 24th out of 30 running backs in success rate. He's just number one in explosive plays. So he's he's getting you kind of one yard, two yard, and then 30. You know, he's kind of what Saquon would be um, if he was a little bit more consistent. But – um, but you're going to, you're going to miss that. But Kareem Hunt's actually been better this year. He's fourth in the NFL in success rate. Um, he's number two in explosive runs behind Chubb. Um, he's number, uh, number two in elusive rating, uh, according to PFF. And he's just been awesome at the goal line in short yardage. He's a much better receiver than, than Chubb is. So I think from that perspective, they're not going to really miss anything. The problem is, is he's got this groin injury that was uh, hampering him last year. So you know, he didn't play a ton in the second half, so we'll see if that was precautionary because they were up so big. Uh, but that's one of those injuries that can, that can linger. So Ernest Johnson got brought up from the, from the practice squad last week and, and was awesome. He averaged almost eight yards a carry. Um, and so we'll see if he can continue that. But, yeah, you mentioned the, the injuries to the, the Colts are huge. I mean, Darius Leonard and, and Okariki at linebacker, and those are, that's a problem. I mean, Darius Leonard is a monster in the run game defensively. I mean, he's fifth among – linebackers and run stop percentage. So essentially uh, any sort of loss by, by the offense, he's, he's fifth in the, in the NFL in the, in those losses, he's top 10 in run defensive grade, according to PFF the last two years. Um, and his backups are guys that are, you know, six round pick rookie Jordan Glasgow hasn't uh, played a snap this year and he's got a seventh round pick uh, behind him as well. Um, who's barely played in the last two years. So that's going to be huge. I mean, Okariki as well at linebacker isn't as good, but, you know, it's still, uh, that's a depth issue there. And you start to get into cluster injuries. And normally, you know, you kind of poo-poo uh, linebacker injuries because this is a passing league, right? But with this Browns team, they've been mauling everybody up the middle and uh, in the run game. Uh, it's a huge deal. And this is going to be a huge loss if both of those guys, or at least Leonard is out. Um, and so from the defense as a, as a whole, you know, I, I know I have a little bit of an intimate knowledge on the Colts defense, knowing uh, 
defensive back coach is a is kind of a, a friend of a friend that I know uh, for a handful of years, and he's been awesome with that secondary. He's resurrected Xavier Rhodes' career. Um, he's known him back from the Minnesota days. They, they play, he was a coach there as well when, when Rhodes is there, and he's been playing awesome um, so far. But, again, they haven't play, played anybody. I mean, the quarterbacks they face, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, um, uh, among uh, – Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. <laughs> How can I forget him? Um, <laughs> and so, and, and Kirk Cousins. I mean, but they've, they've stopped them. I, I tweeted it too, that, you know, they're not the 85 bears, but they've faced um, their four opponents have averaged 5.75 yards per play against every other defense, not named the Colts. And they've allowed 4.43 to those teams. So well below what they're producing against uh, the rest of the league. So, you know, I, I think they'll be tested here. Again, without Leonard, it'll be huge. Um, but, you know, I love what Stefanski has been doing on offense. I mean, this is what we all locally, if you're a big analytics uh, backer and just, you know, creative play calling, he's just been, you know, he, he had a masterpiece uh, play calling against Dallas. It was, he had them off, off balance, with a ton of play action, all the bootlegs, and then mixed in uh, a couple of uh, trick plays with OBJ and Landry, and, and it worked. And so uh, I think that they can do that. I think they'll win this game because I'm not really afraid of this Colts offense. You know, I like Phillip Rivers. He's played fairly well, but he doesn't have weapons on the outside. They're going to run a lot of two tight end set. They're going to run a lot of Jonathan uh, Taylor up the middle, who he hasn't really done too much, hasn't been that effective. So I think it's going to be close to the vest, and it's a matter of, uh, you know, can, uh, you know, who succeeds in the red zone. I know the Colts have been bad in the red zone on offense. So I think the Browns win this game. The line opened two, two and a half. It's, you know, trickled down to one and a half. I think it's because of those injuries. Um, I'm probably going to take it here shortly. Um, not the best of the number, but I think if uh, Leonard is uh, announced out, if he doesn't practice again today, that number might drip down a little bit more. And if he doesn't practice tomorrow, he's definitely going to be out. And I think this line goes to pick them. So uh, I'll probably take the Browns here shortly. But it should be a fun game, I think, in the afternoon. Dan and I did a show, and the schedules came out, and we talked about the Colts' defense, you know, about being the, the, the best fantasy defense to take for the early season. And that's played out in spades, you know, kind of start the season. And we liked a lot of their pieces, a lot of their young pieces. And Matt Everfluss and that, uh, you know, Tampa 2 scheme that he's run, they've always run that, that, that a lot of zone. And, it, you know, remember, they kind of resurrected a few guys. His first year, some guys played way above their career norms and that's how we've seen a guy Pierre Desir get you know a second yep, contract, another contract yep. of guys that played well and um yeah they haven't really played a lot of people they played well and held those guys under it'll be interesting test I mean I, the interesting thing is when you look at their quarterbacks I mean it's hard to say Baker Mayfield doesn't belong in that group as well though like Baker Mayfield is I mean Baker Mayfield threw for five and a half yards per attempt against the Dallas Cowboys last week in a game where they ran were running at will. Um, he almost let them back in that game. I mean, missed a, a bad third and five throw on a on a wide open route that uh, you know Odell did his his you know pirouette on the double move. I mean, when you look at the con the context of Baker Mayfield, I think he belongs in the conversation with Kirk Cousins and Gardner Minshew and Sam Darnold and Nick Foles. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting. This game is the Spider Man meme. These these teams want to play slow. They want to run the football. Uh, they want to not make mistakes. They want to not put the the. They don't want these guys dropping back. They're, Phillip Rivers and Baker Mayfield actually tied in dropbacks in the league at 22nd in the NFL. So we know what these teams want to do. Uh, I think it does come down to the Colts eventually having to not rely on Rodrigo Blankenship uh, to kick all these field goals, man. And every Naheem Hines touch is a gift to the defense. Uh, the Colts are just bringing Naheem Hines in to run. He's, he's, he's gained, he has gained yards on just 
69% of his carries, uh, you know, which is well, well below the league rate. Um, just under, it's really confounding how they're using him. Uh, the offensive line hasn't played, I think, as good as people have thought as well. But this game is the Spider-Man meme. I think I do side, too, with the, with the Brown side, just based on the Colts' weaponry. I mean, you watched that game last week. They're just jamming targets into Trey Burton and Zach Pascal. Very hard to get excited for the, the Colts' offensive weaponry right now with due to the injuries they had and then losing Cole Pieces on defense against a team that's going to run the football well on anybody, let alone the Dallas Cowboys, uh, is kind of a big loss. I, I was surprised the Browns actually weren't favored in this game. Yeah, it was a tough line. I, I knew it would be somewhere between like one and a half to two to pick them. You know, either way, it's it's a tough game. You know, Colts are, what, what are they, second in DVOA overall? They're, they're, they're high up there. I know they were one last week. Uh, but a couple uh, interesting nuggets. I, I just love what Stefanski's done. They're number one in the NFL in EPA per play on early downs. And it's not just you would assume, oh, it's the run game that's really driving things. As bad as Baker, no, Baker's been mediocre. They're fourth in EPA per play passing the ball uh, on first and second down. So they're getting ahead of the sticks. They're doing everything that we talk about all the time about you know, enough of this managing, you know, let's get to a manageable third down. No, that's bullshit. Like, no, just get first downs on first and second down. How about that? Maximize your opportunities early. So you aren't forcing Baker Mayfield to make a play on third down. And they've done that. So, you know, they've done a really good job of play calling and setting him up to not fail at this point. And so, yeah, he's going to miss some throws and, and that's going to happen. But as long as they're productive early enough and they mix in the run game and the bootlegs, um, are really working. They didn't do it much in the first game against Baltimore. You can tell they didn't have enough practice under their belt. But ever since then, they've really, um, produ- uh, really uh, run that scheme a lot better um, the last couple of weeks. And so um, it should should be should be a good game. And uh, like I said, I think uh, I think the Browns will uh, will end up winning. And you know the Colts are going to rely a lot on the tight ends. A lot of two tight end sets. So expect a lot of Moali Cox as Browns. Secondary and linebacking core has really been burned by tight ends the last couple of years. Although this year they've been a little bit better. Um, they got some some better cover guys it sucks there. But... They don't play him. I mean, Moala Cox is the only guy in that offense that's flashed the last three weeks, and they don't play him. Like you know, even last week, I mean, he gets the red zone target, but ran seven yep. pass routes in the game. He, it, I mean, they Trey Burton comes back, and they've got to get him involved. Uh, very puzzling usage because uh, this team that's they're starving for pass catchers. Right. And T.Y., I mean, T.Y. just might be washed. I don't know. I haven't watched close enough to see if they're catchable passes or what's going on there. Is he getting separation? But he's, he looks pretty washed. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of Jonathan Taylor, a lot of tight ends, kind of ugly, ugly offense. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. If the Browns go 4-1, and one, you know, uh, you know, uh, Rich, this, this city will <laughs> might burn down. So uh, it should be fun. It's always good to have the Browns uh, doing well. All right, so before we get out of here, let's touch on one uh, game very quickly. Uh, Sunday night game, Minnesota and Seattle, the highest over-under of the week, 57 and a half. Is there any way this game just doesn't go over? Uh, because both of these offenses uh, are actually scoring now. Minnesota scoring now. Um, Seattle scoring. And neither of these defenses can stop anyone. Uh, th- this might be somehow the, the, the shootout of the season, maybe. I had to fight for the push last week. At, I got it at 54, and you know, the, the Dolphins are kicking all these field goals in the first half. It's 10 to 6 with 30 seconds left, and Russ actually gets a touchdown on a three play drive, you know, with 30 seconds to go to the half. And I was like, Ooh, come on, please open the floodgates. And uh, it ended up getting there at the end just for a push. I had to fight for that push. So maybe it's getting inflated a little bit, but, you know, no Jamal Adams. Quentin Dunbar looks like he will be back. Uh, 
but Kirk Cousins is an interesting guy because they're just they're not throwing. The Vikings still refuse to throw, but he is when they do throw, he's hyper effective. Uh, he leads the NFL in yards per completion, uh, one of the highest yards per attempt. He's third in yards per attempt. Uh, and then Justin Jefferson has started to pop. So they've got some weapons. It just depends on if the Vikings are going to be aggressive enough early in this game or are they going to wait till it's too late. How crazy is it that we're talking about a Seahawks game and what you just said is not applied to the Seahawks? That's where we are right now. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Look at the dropbacks against Seattle. The, the, the lowest amount of pass attempts a quarterback has against Seattle so far is 44. Uh, Kirk Cousins is high as 27. So we need, we need him just – they got to open it up a little bit to start. They can't, you can't wait till Russ is already cooked. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So a couple of things. You know, you say how is it not going to go over. I mean, technically you would think that with all of the deep throws and all of the bad defense and secondaries it should. But, I mean, these teams are bottom five both in neutral um, pace, neutral game situation pace. So if the game is close – you know, they're not going to go really fast. So you, that's one time or one area that they, that could, um, you know, cause us to go under. And we know Minnesota, Minnesota will always be um, a run first team with Mike Zimmer. That's why I took the under last week, just because I know that the both defenses, Houston and Minnesota were bad and both teams can score, but they're both slow. And it's a similar situation here. You know, I barely survived at the end, but you know, the 57 and a half or whatever the total is, is a huge number in the NFL. So if the Vikings are, successfully running the ball they're going to continue to run the ball because they don't want their defense on the field but if the Seahawks get up big early then that's where I think you you see an over um, and so that's one way to potentially play is if you want, you want to wait let's see how the first quarter goes if the Seahawks are up early 14 nothing then just hammer the over because they're the, they're not going to stop throwing um, or at least deep and Minnesota is definitely going to have to push the ball downfield and you got you know you got two teams that are bottom nine and explosive pass plays allowed. I mean, Minnesota's number one. They've allowed the most, um, you know, the ter- you know, bottom four, both teams in DVOA defense against deep balls. Here's the thing with the, I'm thinking that the Vikings are the play here only because look, if you look at Miami, like you said, they moved the ball down the field. They kicked five field goals, like mm-hmm. ridiculous. I mean, they still gave, they gave up 6.1 yards per play to Miami. Okay. Which was the most that Miami has put up on offense all season. And that includes, um, against the, the worst defense in the NFL, the Jags. Um, so th- they allowed more than what the Jags did to, to Miami. You look at Seattle, every single team they've faced have put up the, the most yards per play against them. Now, again, some of that is because they had to, because they're the throw, because Seattle was scoring so much on offense. But, you know, Minnesota can, can move the ball on them. And like you said, Kirk Cousins throws, has thrown the highest percentage of, of deep passes among any quarterback in the NFL, and he's completing them. I mean, Justin Jefferson has been awesome um, so far. And so all he's doing is catching 20-plus yard uh, passes. And, you know, uh, you mentioned Dunbar might be back. I mean, it's good for them because Trey Flowers was horrific last week. He allowed seven um, receptions on eight targets. And this is against a bad Miami uh, pass offense. So it um, should be a fun game. Like I said, let's see how the first quarter goes. If Minnesota can control the ball with, with, with Dalvin, um, I think this game has a shot to go under. But if it's if Seattle gets the lead early, I think it definitely is an overplay. But it should be a fun game, no doubt. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably one of the uh, the more interesting games uh, on the slate. So I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed this. Um, uh, before we go, I'll just let you know that sharpfootballanalysis.com, best place for fantasy analysis, betting information. Uh, you can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages to suit your needs. If you use Sharp30 uh, as a code, you can get 30% off any product site-wide at Sharp Football Analysis. So we're going to end there. Um, you can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find TA on Twitter at Cleve TA. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can listen to Rich's fantasy podcast, Pre-Snap Motion. Um, also, wherever you get your podcast, you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.